Jesse. And I'm Eric. And this is Babbleheads. And today we are going to be talking about our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. What wrestlers make our Mount Rushmore? Mount Rushmore <laughs> being the, you know, the forefathers uh, in a sense, but who epitomize everything to us that the wrestling industry is and has become and who are the guys that set certain things in stone that created what we know and love as professional wrestling now um or have added to it in some significant way uh so and eric obviously you and i are huge wrestling fans and wrestling has been uh a huge uh, dialogue between the two of us since since uh forever and we grew up watching wrestling so it's a it's fun to dive into this and i know we've talked for years about what our uh what our favorites are and we're going to touch on some uh some sports news uh before we jump in but this is uh, it's going to be pretty fun doing the uh, mount rushmore of wrestling for us yeah i think it should be interesting to kind of see where we who we put into our like top four basically because i know I know me personally, I, I think if you were to ask the common wrestling fan, maybe my four would not be the same as theirs. Like, I, I kind of went for me personally instead of, like, historically. Right. Now, and I know you did the same thing. So, yeah, it's just – I mean, I feel like the four guys that I put in there are definitely um, – they're worthy of it. Uh, it definitely was very hard, though, just coming up with four because uh, obviously there's been a lot of uh, monumental uh, talents – in, in professional wrestling uh, throughout its history, so... Yeah, a lot of contributors to uh, to the greatest of all time list, for sure. Exactly. Uh, but real quick, uh, let's touch on some uh, of our active season sports, uh, NFL, NBA, real quick. Um, uh, I mean, let's... Uh, one of the bigger stories uh, of the last week was the Dolphins-Patriots game, uh, where the Dolphins... Uh, you know, run away and, and on, on a on a odd uh, little run that they you know the last second last ditch effort uh, type play that they you know the uh, annexation of Puerto Rico type shit and uh, and they 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 come out with a win at the at the buzzer at the end of the fourth. Yeah, I mean, definitely it, one of the one of the crazier endings I've seen in a long time, for sure. And what a what a boost for! And I'm a diehard uh, Patriots and uh, Dolphins hater as an AFC East uh, rival of my Bills. Um, but it was uh, it was fun to see the Dolphins get a uh, I mean another AFC East win over the Patriots. The Bills being the week prior, uh, but in in the fashion that they did it, that was uh, that was pretty funny. But I got to pick your brain, and I know that. Uh, some of the reasons why they said Gronk was playing defense was they thought they were throwing the long ball. They were throwing the old HM, but uh, which they didn't do. But what the hell was he doing on the field? That guy's got a half robot arm. His friggin' legs are jacked up. He can't jump more than four inches off the ground. I'm, I'm about 60 pounds overweight, and I can jump higher than him. Like, what the fuck was he doing? On, what was he doing on the field? Obviously, he's been plagued by injuries uh, for the past couple seasons here, but uh, I think their thought process was probably his height and having him out there in case they threw a Hail Mary of some sort that he could bat down the ball or, or possibly intercept it. So I think, I mean, that play was what they were on their own 30 yard line. You know, Tannehill, I can't remember who he first threw it to, but 
you know, I, I think when it, when it got to the – when Kenyon Drake finally gets the ball and he, and he gets in the Gronk zone, I think Gronk was just so – They figured it was over. There was no yeah, – there was no get up and go and there was no rush to, like, really get, you know, get well, the, get the guy down. Caught, honestly kind of caught the people on the tail end of that play off guard. I mean, you figure the ball was pitched twice. So, you know, he throws it, pitched once, pitched again to Kenyon Drake, and then I don't think – Probably people towards the end zone, Gronk included, probably had no idea that the play was even going to get get to him. Yeah, he. So by the time it did, it took him off guard, and he was just kind of fumbling and bumbling all over the place, and and that was kind of the end of it. Yeah, I, know, I mean, I know teams teams practice those plays all the time. I mean, there's kind of obviously they the probability of them working is really low, but in this case, obviously it was successful, and it was really fun to watch. Um, and it helps, you know, for me personally, just being a Steelers fan, it was great to see the Patriots lose because we lost and the Ravens lost, so that really helps out everything uh, as well. So when, oh, it comes, yeah. when it comes to the playoff pitcher. So, but, yeah, yeah I mean, pretty, pretty standard week. I mean, I don't know. Like, the NFL has been so weird this year. Like, uh, there's no, like, really right or wrong when it comes to any of these games. You see these um, – these teams that you feel like should be dominating, they'll come out and they just put up a dud. And then, you know, uh, what was it this week that kind of shocked me? It was the Broncos losing to the 49ers. Yeah. The Broncos kind of surging. They've been looking good. And then, you know, the Cowboys have just been on fire, just on a straight tear. Even though they, they probably should have lost that game, but still can't deny what they've been doing. Yeah, it's uh, like you said, it's kind of uh, – I, I think even to a, a more of a degree than – than any other sport really is it, it truly is an anyone can win type uh you know game yeah i mean i think just because of the way the seasons are and just how much talent there are you are right i don't think there's any other sport i mean usually um basketball is pretty much to show like the top seeds usually are the ones going to the the playoffs, you know what I mean, and making runs. It's the same with baseball, kind of like you know, we really don't see too many crazy miracles like that. But the NFL has just been, I don't know, especially the past couple seasons, just been very. Um, you really don't know how to call it. So. Yeah. So, are you staying? Are you staying strong with your uh, Super Bowl pick? Yeah, I mean, nothing's changed. I don't think I'm, I'm still. I'm still straight with that. I think. Uh, you know. I still think that there's certain teams that may look really good right now, but I just don't. I I, I just really, you know, they're, they're a different team when it comes to playoff time, maybe. So I really got to wait for that to, uh, you know, like the Chargers look really good, but are they really? Is this their, really their year? Like, or the Chiefs even? Like the Chiefs look really great. They look dominant, but are they going to really do it in the playoffs? So right, we'll playoff playoff football is a lot different than regular season. As much as it's still, you know. It's, you know, it's, there were, I, I don't know, it, it, there is like, and I think that's when you see, you know, the the Tom Brady that we have grown to love and or hate, uh, he, he, he really does just, he usually is just balls out when it comes to, uh, when it comes to January football, so it should be very interesting to see, I'm still, I'm still, even after the friggin' uh, the the whack play in uh, Miami, I'm still sticking with the Patriots. I, I think Brady's got one last Super Bowl run in him. He'll he'll show up at the Super Bowl, and I think he's gonna take it. 
Yeah, like, I mean, we ne- you never can count them out. Absolutely. I mean, it was a tough loss for them, but they're still, pretty, you know, in control of that division. They're going to make the playoffs, and and they're going to be obviously dangerous to to play. I mean, they're they're going for a first round bye. They're competing with the with the Chiefs for that one two spot in the AFC. So yeah, you never can count them out. So and. Uh... Moving on quickly to uh, NBA news, uh, I thought it was uh, funny that the uh, <laughs> that uh, Kevin Durant had said uh, he had recently done an interview and he was saying like he's uh, almost certain that the Warriors are going to three peat. Which of course, if you don't, like obviously there's an issue there because you got the best shooters in the league on your team and no one plays defense in the NBA in 2018. Um, so and he was saying how he guarantees all their jerseys are going to be retired and they're going to have uh, statues out in front of the, the new chase center at uh, in the area. And they're going down as like the greatest. I mean, where do you stand with someone like Kevin Durant, who kind of was like, kind of like a meek and, and, and shy guy uh, uh, up until, you know, his, his uh, quote unquote heel turn uh, going to golden state. <laughs> So uh, and now he just seems like he's kind of embraced the role of uh, of a villain, almost the way uh, LeBron did when uh, he traveled down to South Beach. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, Kevin Durant's career, in my eyes, has been pretty interesting. Like, I really, you know, I loved him uh, watching him play at Texas, and then going to the SuperSonics was really cool, and I really enjoyed him. Uh, pretty much for most of his career. And then, I, I mean, not to sound like that guy, but it really just rubbed me the wrong way when he went to the Warriors, and it definitely changed my opinion of him. Um, but then again, like we always talk about, the game has changed anyway, and I think he knew that, you know, to win a title, it's what he's going to have to do, and he did it. So I think now he's embraced that role as the villain, like you said, that heel turn he took, and I think he's feeding off of it whether it be with the media or with the fans or even with his own teammates. You saw the stuff with Draymond. So, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's, it's, it's interesting. They're, they're definitely the best team in basketball. I can't – I mean, I could I, – I think that's probably one of the only teams in professional sports you can guarantee a championship. I don't see anybody taking them out, even in the East. Like, I just don't see – I don't see Toronto doing it. I don't see the Celtics or the Sixers, anybody. And then in the West, I don't see anybody doing it either. So It uh, it really all hinges. The only way I think uh, Golden State, even though the Celtics are my NBA uh, champion pick, um, the only way I think you you see the Warriors not 3 P is an injury. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, pretty much. I mean, just some catastrophic injury that keeps somebody out, but depending on even depending on who it is, like you lose one of those guys, you still have a, you still have a tremendous squad over there. So. Yeah, I mean, even if you lose Curry, you still have Durant, Clay Thompson, yeah. uh, Green. Uh, uh, something in the media I wanted to get your opinion on was about about Durant, especially as did you read um, or you see that there's a lot of rumblings now about Kawhi and Durant going to the Clippers. Yeah, I uh, I had read that actually this morning, and uh, I really think, and this kind of all hinges upon this uh, too. It's so funny because Durant had dropped uh, saying when people come over to my house, I show them, you know, the M. All, I make them watch MJ highlights, I make them watch uh, K uh, KG highlights, I make them watch Kobe highlights, 
and he kind of and he even like talked Dirk and a couple other guys that are still playing and it felt like or at least the media is pushing it this way and ESPN is uh, that he went out of his way to not say anything uh, about LeBron um so it, I, I do feel like there is like a an un like an an unchartered like rivalry that the media hasn't dived into much and maybe they're starting to now between him and and obviously with uh him being with the Golden State Warriors and meeting LeBron in the finals twice against Cleveland um that seems like it was some I think that would be something that I think I really think that Kevin Durant is probably going to leave win or lose this year and what better way to then go to say for him to say well fuck LeBron I'm going to go make a, a new LA team and it's going to be with Kawhi Leonard I mean that would be Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard would be would be pretty insane and the Clippers from what it sounds like they're going to be making big moves to try to make that happen but we also thought that you know the Lakers were going to make enough of a strong move for San Antonio to get a trade of Kawhi Leonard there but I think San Antonio um maybe even justly wanted to fuck Kawhi Leonard because he kind of gave up on his seat on the season uh so they said well fuck you we'll send you literally the complete opposite direction of where you are we'll send you all the way north and you can go fucking play in Toronto uh I think there is the slimmest chance that Kawhi stays in Toronto uh and I think that all and, and that's what's so crazy too is to think like if I even said that, like, if Toronto went to the finals, I, I still don't think it's guaranteed that Kawhi would stay there. They'd be like, he'd be like, well, okay, like, I can I can bring the Clippers to the finals, especially if they're talking about getting KD. Well, fuck it, I'll go to the Clippers and I'll, I'll just try to do it there. Like, they're gonna more they're gonna be able to get more people there, uh, you know, all star players there as opposed to Toronto. Just it being one in another country, I mean, that does play into it. Uh, being in the colder weather, these guys, you know, they want to be, they, they want to be in California. They, you know, they want to be, but who, who knows? No one really knows, but it is a win now situation on every team. Like do what we can to get the superstars to win now. And I mean, it's kind of weird that like you would think of even Durant, like winning a uh, three-peating in like, can you imagine Jordan first repeating with the Bulls and then being him being a free agent and being like, "Yeah, I don't want to stay with the Bulls." You, it's ludicrous to think that that probably right. that never crossed Jordan's I'll go mind. To Utah or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, man, the NBA's got you heated. A lot of f bombs in there. I like it. Yeah, it happens <laughs> no, sometimes. I, mean, I think. Um, I think yeah, like you said, like it's kind of maybe you know maybe well sometimes you know the media does try to like play up these like beefs when there really isn't a beef but you know maybe in Durant's head he does have some sort of thing against LeBron and instead of joining him by any means he wants to play against him so and I and like you're totally right LA is a destination it's a it's a huge market um it's a huge city uh and I think uh, it would be interesting to see those guys go there and then try to build another obviously we've 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 grown to see that the West is the destination for the NBA. Yeah, unfortunately. You don't see a lot of these guys trying to come to the East Coast. I mean, it's just, it's kind of sad. That's why I was so happy to see, you know, Jimmy Butler come to Philly. I think that's great. But, um, you know, LeBron wasn't trying to stay on the East Coast or any of these guys really. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it would be tremendous, uh, not for the East, but it would be tremendous to see those guys go to the Clippers and, and I, that's what I like. I want this, I want diversity in the NBA. I want more than just two, three teams, you know. So as many teams that can get good, that is cool in my book. So that's why I kind of love Kyrie in Boston too, and the fact that he said, "Listen, if Boston will have me, I will gladly resign." I love that. I love that he's sticking to his guns. And I honestly think in five to ten years, Kyrie will be the next one in my eyes. I think that's going to step into that huge spotlight. And uh, I mean, for me. Kevin Durant will always have an asterisk next to his name. Yeah, like I said, I my tune totally changed on him when he did that too. I mean, some people respect it. I just thought it was kind of, I don't know. But it is, you know, that being said again, I know it is kind of the name of the game um, the, in the super team era. So, All right. Uh, one last thought before we dive into our Mount Rushmore wrestling. Uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron playing their last game uh, against each other. Uh, that was pretty cool to see. I wanted to get kind of your thoughts on that, and that came right down to the wire and had, uh, you know, LeBron guarding uh, Dwayne Wade before he took his uh, before he took the final shot, and LeBron knew, <laughs> knew his move, and uh, that, was, uh, that was really fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. To see those guys are sportsmen. It's cool to see them go against each other, and obviously being such good friends and ex-teammates, I thought it was, it was really enjoyable. I thought it added extra... Uh, you know, buzzed in the tension around that game. Um, yeah, the last shot. I, I keep seeing the the highlights of that last shot. It's just like it's kind of funny. Uh, LeBron guarding him pretty hard. He just throws up that like awful brick. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then they just hug it out. But yeah, it was it was fun. And uh, I think I lo- I do like Dwayne Wade a lot. I think he's been a great professional and a great player. Um, and he's one of the better great. players of uh the last like you know these last some odd years oh just, yeah great career yeah and just a good person it seems like so i like that um not a lot of drama around him like obviously leaving to go to chicago i know you always wanted to play in chicago um but yeah no i, I thought it was really cool and obviously lebron uh, has to get the upper hand and uh, and make sure he doesn't make his final shot so i like yeah. that they i like that they stuck with that i like that he's they, they, that LeBron didn't let him have the final shot and get the win. LeBron still said, "Now, nah, motherfucker, I got you." Yeah, no, it was funny. And then, like I said, they they hugged it out, and it uh, seems like they, you know, they had fun with it. So it yeah. was definitely fun to watch. Did uh, real quick, did you hear him say to Dwayne Wade, uh, "It was either here or the Garden," and I know that got Knicks fans uh, peeved. Yeah, you know what? I don't think I saw that actually. Yeah, he when they were talking about it, uh, there was you know kind of like right as the game ended, they said, uh, you know, there's only one more, there's only one way to end it. It was either here or the garden. Uh, yeah, so I know Knicks <laughs> Knicks fans were pretty uh, upset, but uh, I mean, if I was gonna play in New York, I, I at this point in this juncture, the last I would not want to play for the Knicks. Uh, but I'm also biased. I'm a Nets fan, so who knows? Oh yeah, no, I didn't see that. That's funny though. Uh. But, yeah, uh, that'll wrap up uh, our uh, active seasons uh, real quick. And uh, let's, Eric, let's uh, let's dive into it. Uh, I'm excited. Our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Now, I, I mean, so far this uh, this podcast has kind of been dominated by our the, the seasons that are active right now, which is the NFL and the NBA. And, and we definitely need to dive into the NHL. I, I don't follow the NHL uh, very close, but I know that you, you follow it pretty close. So 
we definitely got to dive into that at some point. But um, wrestling is is something huge for us still, and every every week is you know active season of wrestling because there's several different promotions. Obviously, the WWE being the the crown jewel, the biggest one, the the granddaddy of them all, the the most you know profitable and the biggest wrestling promotion you know i mean it's no longer even a promotion it's a it's a brand 100 percent now yeah i mean um but there's never an off season for wrestling ever which is which is interesting you know yeah i mean longest running shows on all year no off time no no off season it's uh, it's crazy so uh, when compiling lists for, you know, essentially our top four, but our Mount Rushmore of wrestlers, I mean, it's there's so much you have to think and consider and weigh and really break down of like, okay, well, what do I, you know, who makes the cut? What, what do you garner on, it on? So as we go through our top four, now, should we do these in order from four to one? But do you, or do you think that they hold such uh prestige that you can't like say one over the other and you will just we'll just rattle them off one at a time yeah we could just rattle them off i i don't think when i when i thought about the mount rushmore like i guess it is four obviously for tom but i didn't really think of them as like a ranked one two three or four i just kind of put in my head the four guys that would be up there kind of in no particular order right right oh so yeah i mean however you would like to do it um all right, well, we'll uh, we'll do that then. Uh, we'll go. Uh, we'll we'll each uh, knock one off our list, and uh, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you start. Who is the first uh, entry on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling? So my first entry is uh, fairly easy. I feel like, uh, and it's actually uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Um, you know, I know Ric Flair got a lot of guff. Uh, well, not he doesn't really get guff for it, but he, you know, they say he stole like his original gimmick, the Nature Boy. But I feel like when you think about wrestling, especially when wrestling was really coming to starting to uh, be on people's television screens on a weekly basis, especially in the South, I feel like he elevated that. Um, and I feel like you didn't see a lot of people like him. You know what I mean? Like he was he like like we've all heard it before. Uh, Rick lived his gimmick. Um, when you watch those old uh, NWA or whatever uh, promotions he was in, obviously elevated everything. A phenomenal wrestler, amazing on the mic, still amazing on the mic at this age. Um, I just think that he, when it comes to when it comes to professional wrestling, he was in my eyes like just knowing the history of wrestling a little bit. One of the guys that kind of uplifted the sport, if you know what I mean, like like made it almost like bigger than than other regular sports. And I feel like he is he is a perfect person to put on the Mount Rushmore wrestling. He's wrestled in so many different promotions. He's wrestled so many different people. Um, so yeah, that's He's, my number one. And, and, and while you are uh, rattling off uh, Ric Flair here. Uh, any of ours that match, I will match mine as, as you met, as you mentioned them. If they match up on mine, I, I will match it. So mine also, uh, my Mount Rushmore is also, uh, Mr. Uh, Rick Flair. Um, as you were just uh, saying, you know, the guy that's wrestled everywhere and every one 
and he really did make it into a spectacle. He has brought it. He is he brought wrestling to a place that I'm not sure it ever would have gotten to without him. And even something that uh, a lot of uh, older wrestlers uh, can attest, uh, you know, he lived the gimmick. He wasn't he wasn't the Nature Boy Ric Flair when the cameras were on. Uh, when just the cameras were on, when the cameras were off, guess what? He was wheeling, dealing, styling, and profiling. He was, he was, you know, womanizing. He was drinking hard. They were buying expensive clothes. They were overpaying for uh, jets to fly certain places. When he ran, especially when he was running with the Horsemen, you know, obviously Arn, Tully, Ole, uh, during the the golden age of the Four Horsemen. I mean, he really. Uh, and he turned it into like, and it's so funny to think that so much stuff is hinged off the career and the legacy and the character of the Nature Boy Ric Flair. You know, the dressing really nice and stuff, like before the match or when you're talking out there. I think, I honestly think, yeah, I honestly think that it even played some influence with uh, sports stars, you know, NBA, MLB, NFL, when they show up to the arenas looking really dressed up and really nice and to, you know, and I, th- I know that was something for wrestling. It was something that Vince had uh, pushed uh, later on after the attitude era was over to like, don't show up with your Zubas and your cutoff uh, and your cutoff uh, LA Rams, uh, you know, shirt, your crop, your crop top looking like, uh, looking like uh road warrior animal. Right. Uh, you know, look presentable, look like a professional, yeah, represent the sport I mean, well. But do you think that that influence of him looking really flashy and really done up and really professional, it kind of bled into like other sports stars doing that and showing up like and I know that the NFL and the NBA put their own like dress code violations and stuff. But I almost think that there's no denying that maybe there, there was somehow played a role in that. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, anytime you like look up to someone or you want to, you know, you want to be someone, you kind of mimic them. So I'm sure a lot of people did that same thing. And I think like the thing about Rick is he's still relevant now. I mean, he hasn't wrestled in a bit, but you, I mean, you follow his Instagram or whatever you want to do. Like he's he's everywhere. Like people are doing the woos. Like he's friends with rappers and professional athletes and everything. So it's like he's he's just. He's been relevant his whole career. I mean, he's he's made every promotion he's been better. I mean, he's made major impacts on WCW, you know, and WWF, WWE. Could work with any know. could work with any wrestler yeah, ever. Could work with anybody, and just like he's just an amazing storyteller and an amazing uh, wrestler. But like we talked about with his, you know, living the gimmick. Like obviously, I'm sure a lot of people saw the Thirty for Thirty. Like that's a blessing and a curse. Like he obviously had his, you know, he wasn't always the greatest human being and and stuff like that. But I, you know, I don't think you could have a, a Mount Rushmore of, of wrestling without without Ric Flair. So yeah, it, and he he always seemed like a guy that really called it like it was, and just uh, he he never hit he never hid uh, any of his uh, any of his you know, indiscretions, you know what I mean? He never, he seemed like someone that was, uh, almost honest to a fault. Yeah. I mean, and that's, there's something authentic and real and you, and you got to respect about that. But like I said, like any other thing, like he had his problems as well. And, uh, I think it showed in the ring sometimes. Like, I think, you, you know, you bring personal stuff in the ring, but 
Um, Maybe the most, uh, one of the best on the mic as well. And I think that is slightly, maybe it's not glazed over at all, but I feel like when people talk about some of the greatest people on the mic, uh, you know, they'll jump, they'll kind of, especially uh, people now, because the WWE especially is such a, and, and honestly, even, uh, you know, the New Japan stuff with the Bullet Club being so relevant and wrestling having this huge resurgence, especially within the indie scenes um, and the other promotions. But yeah, definitely. I right feel now, like people will jump over someone like a Flair and be like, well, The Rock was the greatest on the mic. And there's no denying that The Rock was in a class of his own. No. But you're talking about Ric Flair literally beat red screaming up and down throwing his yeah. jacket in the middle of the ring and dropping an elbow on his jacket i mean he was all, yeah he was also doing that like 20 years before those you know the rock and those guys too so exactly but i, I knew i knew we were gonna have a couple uh of the same ones too so it's cool i i can't you know I, I, well i can't wait till we get through and we see who's uh who's the same and, and who we have different so yeah so uh rick flair on both of our uh rushmore's oh, to start good. so uh who you got next so I, I just want to say my last two I'm, I'm going to leave because they're more they're more controversial. I, f- I feel like like I don't feel like a lot of people would have them, but uh, my next one is obviously in, an, another gimme. I think it's it's Hulk Hogan. Um, obviously, we talked about Flair bringing wrestling you know to people's televisions on a weekly basis and kind of bringing it and elevating it. Then you want to talk about a guy like right place, right time, Hulk Hogan, who literally you know, rocketed himself to be not just, I mean, to be everywhere, to be a global icon, television, movies, wrestling. I mean, in his heyday, you know, I don't think there was a person who didn't know who he was. Maybe even still, like with all the, you know, with the controversy with him. But that guy, you know, again, just the way he branded himself, you know, maybe not the greatest, you know, technical wrestler, but you don't always have to care about that. Um, just the greatest face and then the greatest heel maybe of all time. I mean, when he turned to, to the Hollywood gimmick, was just, it still gives me chills when I watch that. I mean, not many people would do that to be the literally the biggest, biggest, like, baby face, biggest, like, hero in the world, like a professional wrestling. For 15 years. For, yeah, for your whole career for so long, you're, you know, you're kissing babies and shaking hands, and then you become just the biggest heel, and not only, and not just, you know, an average heel, be like one of the greatest heels in the history of wrestling again. Um, that guy could do it all, and like I said, he was a global icon, and in a time where he 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 brought wrestling to the mainstream, in my opinion. Like, obviously, it was, it was, it was big, but he, he brought it to that next next level where it was like huge you're selling out Madison square garden um like i said movies television it's insane just a global brand I mean, hulk hogan the global brand um so yeah definitely mount, on my mount, mount rushmore so i will uh match that as well hogan uh we've talked about this a million times the greatest baby face wrestler of all time and the greatest heel of all time I don't care what anybody says. I will fist fight someone if they try to say that Hulk Hogan didn't bring the wrestling world into prominence and on another. Ric Flair brought it to a certain level where, like, if you were into wrestling, you're like, Ric Flair's the real fucking deal. Hulk Hogan's the one that brought it to everyone, people who weren't wrestling fans. 
that know who Hulk Hogan is. Hulk Hogan is like saying, I mean, it, it sounds crazy, but it's true. Hulk Hogan is like saying the word, the the name Michael Jackson to somebody. Yeah, I mean. Hulk Hogan is, as you said, a global icon. Hulk Hogan, here's the thing, is without Hulk Hogan, I don't think that Vince McMahon is a billionaire today. And I don't care who wants to combat it. And Vince, if the opportunity ever presented itself for Vince to give a candid interview about Hulk Hogan, and and if if Vince ever tried to deny that he would be where he is without Hulk Hogan, he wouldn't be. Hulk Hogan was the biggest white meat baby face and was the most beloved character and and still to a very huge extent still is one of the most beloved uh, characters of all time. But to do that, the rock and wrestling, the movies, having his own pasta thing, and, and something I had heard recently on um, uh, 83 Weeks uh, podcast with Eric Bischoff is uh, Bischoff said that they called the people who made the Foreman Grill, the George Foreman Grill, called his agent first and got was trying to get a hold of Hulk. Because they were going to, it was going to be, he was the first call for the grill. It was going to be the Hulk Hogan grill. But they wanted someone so fast that the next person on the line was George Foreman. George Foreman, they got in contact before they did Hulk Hogan, even though Hogan was called first. So, I mean, Hulk Hogan could be even fucking bigger than he is now to think about it. Like, uh, but even then, you could say George Foreman, a lot of people know he has a grill, but they also don't, some people don't know that he was a boxer as well, so. Right, exactly. Um, but I, I really can't say enough good things about Hulk Hogan and, and so many people. I mean, we could we're gonna get into the business episodes where we talk about you know the business and the booking of wrestling uh, events and wrestling figures. But and so many people try to shit talk Hogan and try to say like, oh, he was this, he was that. He kind of did him did it to you know put himself over and just said like uh, you know did things to benefit himself. Everywhere he went, he brought his friends with him. Listen, Bruce the Barber Beefcake, I don't think could have a match outside of a paper bag with anybody, not even Takamichinuku. So, so, and he brought him and Virgil and Jimmy Hart. Uh, don't get me wrong, Jimmy Hart is one of the greatest managers of all time and, uh, you know, a music composer who went on to compose music in the WCW. But, you know, he brought everyone along and tried to, I think, spread the wealth and even to a detriment from from as sources can hear the the people that just bled off him Brian Knobs being the most obvious but right. um you, you know the guy has just done so much for the sport he is the Michael Jordan of wrestling he is the whatever you want to call the Babe Ruth of wrestling and I, and honestly I I really don't think anyone can ever and you could say the same thing like is LeBron like Steve Austin? Like, was Kobe Steve Austin? They might be, and those are very good, but I don't know. You'll just never see another Hulk Hogan, and he deserves, on anybody, if anybody leaves Hulk Hogan off their Mount Rushmore, I think they're, they're, they're smoking their lunch because it's insane to exclude him in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I mean, he's just, he, like I said, he, like, well, people want to, say oh it's just like right place right time like isn't it like that for everyone in the history of like any sort of like sport or whatever like if Babe Ruth plays ba- 
played baseball today, he'd probably strike out all the time. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Uh, it's just it's just kind of the way it is. Like, um, yeah, maybe if Hulk Hogan came out right now, like if he just came out now, maybe he would be a dud. But like, that's you can't look at it from like that because he came at a certain time and he had a certain look and a certain gimmick, and he capitalized. And like I said, it's not like he did it for five years. You, you know, he's been relevant you know in and out of the business for this whole time and he's a he's a megastar so 100 percent, you're completely right about that um definitely would be ludicrous to keep him off your mount rushmore so and you know it's funny someone posted and i can't even remember who the match was with and it might have been muda honestly and it showed hogan doing a lot of tactical moves with muda over in japan in like 93 yeah, that's, a lot of people don't know that about Hogan. Is, is he was huge in Japan, and he did he wrestled a lot in Japan. So, I mean, he was. That's why I say global. I mean, yeah, he was big. It wasn't just you know wrestling in New York City all the time. Obviously, he wrestled all over the world. And oh yeah, he wrestled with some of the greatest. So, but yeah, um, I mean Hulk Hogan. I mean, the, it's it says it, the name says it all. Um, so, uh, who do you got next uh, coming in? For one of your two uh, controversial, or, or so you say, uh, picks. Let's let's hear let's hear the first controversial pick on your Mount Rushmore. All right. Well, I mean, I guess it depends on who you ask about controversial, but I just think maybe he would have come off as controversial. But in my opinion, one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time on my Mount Rushmore is Bret Hart. I think uh, Bret Hart is kind of because of the times he was around and maybe a little bit undervalued. I think he helped carry the WWF WWE for a little while when uh, there wasn't a lot of guys there. Um, I just think he's a pure wrestler. I think he maybe obviously, you know, he got a lot of, he wasn't like the most charismatic guy, but um, just the passion with that guy, his amateur wrestling, um, the family he comes from, I just, every one of his matches, I mean, still going back to this day, just watching the matches, they're just, it's, it's, it's amazing. He's a master of the craft, and I think that he is tremendously underrated. I think he gets talked about a lot, but I think he gets overshadowed by a lot of other wrestlers, and I personally feel like he is honestly, if, you know, top three, if not the best technical wrestler of all time. I put um, him as the the number one technical wrestler of all time. I just think that he's a, his matches were so... I don't even know what the word I'd be like. There was a story behind his matches. Like, it wasn't just... There was no just like... You know how like a lot of guys come out and they just have squash matches or whatever? Like, every match I felt like Bret Hart wrestled, no matter who it was against, was an important match. And I feel like he took a lot of pride in that. And I, and I just always respected him. I've always been a huge Bret Hart fan, and I just think that, you know, looking back on when I, when we talked about doing this Mount Rushmore of wrestling, like, you know, it was really tough for me. Like, I honestly was debating leaving him off for, you know, another guy, a couple other guys that maybe could have been on here, but I just, when I really got down to it, I just thought about it, and I just personally think Bret Hart, like I said, every one of his matches were just phenomenal, never took a day off, and just super passionate about the sport. Um, been in wrestling his whole life and uh yeah so he's definitely my number three on that on my mount rushmore now i uh brett didn't make the rushmore cut for me and that's only because he got bumped off by another person because i was really trying to go back to my youth right i really want to hear 
who he bumped you, who like you put on before or like over him because I was going back and forth like with Brett like with another another person. Well, there's a couple people I kind of thought about, but um, there was one person in particular I was going to put on a, a, in, in front of him. So I'd like to, I can't wait to hear who, uh, who, you, who you chose. So Brett was on it when I first made my list. Brett was on it, and because you and I could talk, we could literally do a whole podcast on on uh, on Brett Hart. We could talk that long and, and that in detail about how much we love and respect Brett the Hitman Hart. The guy, the guy is just, uh, like I said, I, I think he was probably one of the most underappreciated uh, uh, wrestlers for his time. And I think it was just, you know, wrong place, wrong time for Bret Hart. I think if Bret Hart uh, stuck around and got hot during the Attitude Era, he could have been an amazing counterpart for the Attitude Era. Uh, obviously, it didn't pan out that way. And, and with saying that, obviously, the face of the Attitude Era... Uh, being Steve Austin, I think the Steve Austin uh, Bret Hart match at WrestleMania 13 is uh, one of the greatest matches of all time. Yeah, that it's an amazing match. It just uh, that is one of the best. I mean, you're talking a double a double turn. You know, a heel going to a face, a face going to a heel. It was just, it's it's it really is. And Steve Austin still says to this day that it's his favorite match of all time uh, that he's had. Um, besides the ones he talks about having with Savio Vega, but. <laughs> I love Savio Vega, but um, to to um, I, I'll tell you, I will tell you, and after I reveal who bumped Brett off for my third spot, um, I would love to know who uh, who you bumped uh, to put Brett on. But it was really hard, and I was trying to harken back to my days as a youth when I really, when I first fell in love with wrestling and the guys I remember seeing and the guys that really like burned in my memory and I think really made a a big enough impact on the business. And and that's not to say that Bret Hart didn't because Bret Hart would come in. If there was a fifth spot in that mouth, Mount Rushmore, Bret Hart would be on it. But, um, I was trying to really think back to the, the golden days when I first found and, and fell in love with, and fell in love with uh, wrestling and uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper comes to comes to mind. Mm, I like it. And uh, I really think he was uh, he was an anti-hero before there were anti-heroes. And I think he uh, he was just he had something about him, and he was a guy that didn't hold the world title in WWF slash E. Uh, and a lot of people say, well, he didn't need a title. Well. I think if you gave him a title, I think he would have elevated to that next level. They never did, but he just seemed like one of those anti-heroes that Steve Austin became, like pre-predates Steve Austin, you know? He was a bad guy most of the time, but everyone loved him because he was just the shit. And and I don't know, he was just a, another one, like a, a great in the ring and could cut a promo like no other and was just so like snarky and snide and condescending and and he was just uh and out of his goddamn gourd and obviously and and someone that that spawned into having an acting career himself yeah one of the greatest movies ever made oh of course they live (laughs) so yeah i mean i think like you said about him i think when I think about uh, Rowdy, 
he's like like you said, I like that anti hero. He's like the first anti hero. Like I think a lot of guys that you see that came after him kind of played off of that, like the Brian Pillmans, the Dean Ambroses of the world, kind of a little bit similar. I feel like Oh, definitely. Rowdy did have like this kind of middle finger to everyone around him, you know, whatever promotion he's working for. Um he made it really cool to be like that rebellious, uh, the rebellious person. Um, and I think, yeah, I didn't, yeah. I, I mean, I think when I watch his matches, um, I think he's maybe one of those guys that actually probably is more known for his, uh, you know, his, uh, like the Piper's pit and like his uh, promos and stuff like that, instead of actually his in-ring ability. And I think maybe that took a backseat to it. You know what I mean? Oh, I don't know yeah, I think so. That, but I, I, that's how I feel about Roddy. I feel like people were more enamored with, like, his personality and his charisma than his actually, like, in-ring ability, too. But um, he was great, both sides of it. Both sides, uh, on the mic, off the mic, in the ring, out of the ring. Um, definitely an unsung hero for that, for those, that generation of wrestling. And I think, like you said, like... Um, Maybe the forefront of like the anti-hero, like middle finger to the the system, like just the ultimate. I'm gonna do whatever I want, and uh, that's how it is. And uh, you gotta love that. And uh, just when you think you have all the answers, he changes all the questions. <laughs> um, exactly, and then it brought in his he brought in like the horizons of that too. Like you said, he had a, you know, he was a lot of outside of wrestling. You know, pretty well known for for stuff uh you know whether it be movies or television stuff like that so oh yeah it, no who did uh so who did you bump to put brett in your spot i bumped uh stone cold steve austin i, I bumped him I, another uh, you know the i mean obviously if you're talking the biggest generators of money ever in the history of wrestling i mean you got to say even like, I mean, there's, you. Got, I think the top three are Hogan, Austin and John Cena. Yeah. I mean, I think Austin was another guy who kind of, he brought, I mean, he's a face of, I don't want to spend too much time on this, obviously, cause he's not on the, at least I don't know if he's on yours, but he's not on mine. But just when I thought about him, like he's obviously like the face of the attitude era. And he's another guy who, who broadened, the horizons and, and brought wrestling to more people. You know what I mean? Like he, like we talked about where, where we live, where we're from, uh, there's a gas station and they would back in the day, they were selling Stone Cold Steve Austin apparel. Like it's insane to me. Like he, it was everywhere. You, and, and that's what it is. He, he connected with every age and, and, you know, redneck guys and whoever, like you just loved him. And, and he, he was another one just again, all that stuff with Vince and just the hilarious stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's another one. He's up there for some of the greats of all time, but yeah, he, I bumped him for Brett. It, I kept going back and forth, but, uh, I just thought about who I truly loved to watch some more and it was always Brett. So, oh yeah, we'll, we'll get into a point where we could talk about Austin because I know he's another guy. I really can't say enough good things about what he did and the love that he you know that he formed in me for for wrestling even even more so than it already was in the early 90s before he came along but uh austin's definitely up there for me he's he's not in my mount rushmore so uh let's hear uh let's hear it who's your final who's your final face on your mount rushmore uh 
so my final face might be really confusing to some, but I know you probably could have guessed it. He oh, yeah. Sick. I knew this was coming. Yeah. I mean, my favorite wrestler of all time, Eduardo Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. I love everything about Eddie Guerrero from the first time I ever saw him wrestle. I can remember it uh, on WCW. I was just obsessed with, I don't know. I just like, at the, when I first saw him, he kind of had like his like, kind of like a little bit heel, but I was just, I don't know if I was obsessed with the gimmick or his in-ring ability, but that guy just blows me away in every match. He, talk about someone who, you know, obviously he's always known for being a little bit undersized, and that's kind of why maybe some people think he didn't get like a push in like WCW, because the WCW had their cruiserweight section, uh, you know, their cruiserweight divisions, and they had their big guys, but... I feel like Eddie Guerrero could have a match with anybody, no matter what size they are. Oh, definitely. And he would ter- he would make that match amazing. I think he he did so much for like my favorite matches of all time are watch like you know when I was younger watching WCW and watching him versus like the Malenkos and the Rey Mysterios and the Chris Jerichos and the Benoits and then even like his matches with like some of the bigger guys like you know like. Um, the NWO guys or anybody like that. And I just, I, he was another one. Like, I know he was just obsessed with greatness and he's wanted to be great so bad. And then he got to WWE and, you know, with all the stuff that happened with WCW and then the radicals come over. I don't know. Just obsessed with like everything about him. I think he's another like super technical where he could be a, he could be a tactical wrestler. He could be a, a luchador type, you know, like high flyer. He could be a brawler. He could he could be anything, and he was another one just hilarious. He great on the mic. He could be he could make you love him. He could make you hate him. Um, and one of the greatest, you know, I still get chills to this day when they finally strapped him up against Brock. You know, like when he beat Brock for the title, it's just like one of the greatest things ever in wrestling. I think, and um, I think that is the first time I think that you had. Uh, it, to my knowledge, that was the first Latino um, world champion in, yeah, I mean, in WWE. Yeah, I can't think of another one. Definitely not. And um, you're talking about a guy that completely uh, adapted to the WWE, uh, you know, wrestling style. Like he obviously uh, bulked up and kind of changed his whole body type. And, and, and yeah, he, that's unfortunate. I think it was one one of his down, his downfalls. Obviously, I think he wanted. You know, when you hear the stories, like when you listen to different podcasts or anything, you read interviews, like I know he wanted just to be great, and he kind of felt like he kind of always had a chip on his shoulder because um, he wanted to be the best. And I think when, obviously I'm not going to speculate too much, but we know that he passed away of heart failure, and you obviously saw how you know he got really big in the WWE, and I felt like he probably felt like he had to get that big um, to get that, that any sort of push, but... Um, he had his demons like anybody else, obviously. Um, but definitely, to this day, my favorite wrestler of all time, my favorite wrestler to watch, um, can really just kind of mutate into whatever, whoever he was wrestling, just mutate into that style of wrestling. And I don't think a lot of guys can do that. I, I really don't. Even to this day, I think a lot of guys are, are they're handcuffed to what they can do, but I feel like he could just do it all, and he could do whatever he, he wanted. And, uh Yeah. I loved uh, loved watching him, and I'm sad to see that he, you know, when he passed away, because I only can imagine. I know for a fact he'd still be wrestling, and uh, I can only imagine what would have happened after. You so. know, I I really think that you know any any card that has uh, Eddie Guerrero 
an, an Eddie Guerrero match on 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 it is just uh, it will always and forever be in contention for the best match of the of the night of the event or what have you because he just his work rate was kind of unmatched honestly I I really don't think I think he could work circles around about ninety five percent of the guys that were in WCW in those mid nineties and uh, and when he came to the WWE obviously he he he. He he banged enough on 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 Vince's door, so to speak, that you know those guys that weren't getting the shots over in WCW because they were deemed too small, quote unquote, ended up becoming world champs and are now revered. You look at you know Chris Jericho, Eddie Guerrero. I mean, even someone like Rey Mysterio. Who who would have thought Rey Mysterio, one of the smallest cruiserweights in all of professional wrestling, would go on to be a WWE champion? Yeah. And I think, like, like we always speak about with Vince, like, you know, like, I know, like, he, I think people think of, they have, they have an idea of what he likes in his head, and I, I mean, I'm sure it's true, you see, he's, there's a particular type of uh, wrestler that he likes the most, um, you know, the bigger, jacked, gigantic dudes, but I think, obviously, it's come around a little bit, but, um, yeah, those guys, that's what I mean about, like, a guy like uh, Eddie or even some of his counterparts, like the Jerichos or the Malenkos and Benoit's of the world, is they could wrestle up to whatever standard, you know what I mean? Like, they could wrestle as, a, like, a big guy or a small guy. And I think those are, like, the – that's why I've always been, like, interested in that type of wrestler because I feel like those are the guys that have the most talent. I agree. And, and Eddie Guerrero really is uh, – I'm glad that – he got exposed to you know a wider audience when he came to the WWF WWE and uh, you know people. I think that was the best thing for him as much as you know coming and running that schedule and becoming a bigger guy uh, might have been part and parcel to his uh, death. Uh, you know he is now revered and loved and in, in you know I think respected by so many people now because he got in front of all those people and and he, if nothing else he one hundred percent cemented his legacy in those last, uh, you know, how, what, five years that he was wrestling, to think he was only in the WWE for five years and, and think about the impact that he made. I mean, he's cemented his uh, legacy as one of the greatest of all time just in that five years because a lot of people that watched him, I mean, obviously there's there's plenty of people like you, I, and, and anybody are in our age demographic saw him and fell in love with him in WCW wrestling, but... A lot of people, you know, average casual fans didn't know how great he was until he came over. And to think that he did all that in the span of five years is really impressive. Yeah, 100%. You don't even think about When you think about his, his career with the WWE, it doesn't seem like it was that long. And like I said, who knows what he would have accomplished. But um, And you can see, like, just from... You can see the impact he had on a lot of his... Uh, other fellow wrestlers like i mean i know like everyone loved he was he was universally loved and uh and yeah just a great person great wrestler and uh it sucks that he's gone but definitely makes my mount rush more he's my all-time favorite so very uh, that's now, that's a hell of a mount rushmore it's hard to <laughs> you can't I think so i think i i think i kind of hit all aspects of the business you know i you got your hogan and uh, obviously Eddie being a little bit of a wild card on it, but uh, I think uh, I think it's much deserving. But now we got to move on to yours. I can't wait to hear your final. I was definitely shocked by the Rowdy Roddy. Not that I think he does not deserve it. I just didn't know if that, that was the direction he would go. So I, I'm interested to hear your final. 
So uh, our lists both incorporate guys who had uh, some of their best runs, save for Bret Hart, uh, some of their best runs within WWE and, w- and WCW. Uh, and I only say Bret Hart because obviously we all wish that Bret Hart's run in WCW was a lot more than what we got. Uh, but obviously, you know, with uh, the Montreal Screwjob, uh, his health, the death of Owen, could have been a lot more. But all, f- all, f- all of our choices had, uh, you know, were both big parts of WWF slash E and WCW. And my final uh, person that makes my Mount Rushmore is uh, is also my number one favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> is uh uh the macho man randy savage uh yeah. just one of knew. the knew. knew it was coming he oh man just the 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 really truly when you say a, someone who can do it all uh no other wrestler comes to my mind more than than randy savage you're talking about an a plus extra credit in the ring an a plus extra credit uh, fucking 10 gold stars when it comes to mic work, the most intense promos you'd ever seen in your life, and you believed it. You, you, We laugh and we joke about when he fucking is pointing to the camera and through the video scope, yeah! Like, when he goes nuts and he fucking's freaked out and people are talking about how he's on coke and he's all messed up. You know, what's funny is he actually lived a pretty clean life. He didn't really get super messed up. He was just naturally that intense and high-strung. All right. Um... And to think, and it's it's a testament to the man that he was too. When you see, I remember when he passed away, and I don't think any wrestler's death has really affected. I mean, Owens was pretty shocking just because it was so tragic, and I remember. Right. And it was just uh, yeah, just insane. And but uh, no death, I I think has really affected me. I mean, the Warriors was pretty up there too. Um, <laughs> Especially just because it was, you know, on the heels of his induction, you know, two days after and the night after he, the day after he appeared on Monday Night Raw for the first time since like 1996. But um, Macho Man's, uh, I think, uh, messed me up in a different way just because he was like, as much as Hogan and even Sting, you know, we, we if, we're, if we're rounding out top tens in this thing, I, there's no debate that Sting, if it, Sting was the face of WCW and Sting was great and he was another one that was an amazing talent and someone who who's one of my favorites as well but Macho Man when you say the name Macho Man Randy Savage I immediately just get the flashes of the neon colors he had a dedicate he had a dedicate he's another one he did people are like oh he probably wasn't that crazy he was. He was that intense. He lived the gimmick, everything. And people would walk up to him. I remember uh, hearing in an interview when Scott Hall was like, "Hey, I like your boots, Randy." He's like, "Well, what do you mean by that? What are you trying to get a, your spot over on me? What are you What are you thinking about getting boots? You're gonna try to outdo me?" Like, he it was real to him. It was not. You know what I mean? It was all real. And I think he more than anyone. I mean, Hogan as well, obviously. And when, when you say Hogan, I think Macho Man. When you say Macho Man, I think Hogan. They kind of were the rock and Austin of their time, but I think they were just, they made such a huge spectacle of what wrestling was at the time, too, and just brought it to that global level. And uh, Macho Man, I, I don't know. It's just so. He's really in a league of his own, like, and I felt like when he carried the world title, the way he carried it, like physically, the way he carried it, 
he kind of held it really close to him, like into his chest. Like this is the, the WWF world title. Like this, like he would hold it and he would get, he'd say, you aren't taking this from me. Like it was, I could really believe it then. And I think he was one of the, the last real true blue wrestlers that I truly believed that he went to sleep at night saying, God, I want that title. Or if he had it, God, I don't want to lose this title. Like I want to, I want to be the man. I want to be the biggest wrestler in the world. I think he was the most honest and the most real, obviously the most intense wrestler that there ever was. And obviously the matches, Oh my God, the matches uh, with uh, Ricky, the dragon, uh, you know, obviously with Hogan, uh, the guy just could, another one could work with anyone and just, it was just, uh, made anyone look good. And, and, and it's a testament to the kind of person he was when, when he died, uh, you know, DDP saying, uh, you know, when, uh, DDP came out dressed as La Parka and gave him the diamond cutter, it, that was Savage's idea. Savage is like, I think I want to take the diamond cutter tonight. Wanted to put, you know, DDP over, wanted to pass it on. He also, I don't know if you remember, and I think it was during Molly Holly's uh, uh, induction speech. Did she get inducted in the Rock and or the Rock the uh, WWE <laughs> Hall of Fame? Yeah, just recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Well, she, you want to know how she even got in the wrestling business? She was working, trying like to get break into the business, and Macho Man made a call and got her put on a promotion. Oh wow! I actually didn't know that at all. That's cruel. Like that is just, I feel like, and. And, and he just, like, had, like, an affinity for, like, helping children. Like he said, uh, you know, Lanny Poffo, his brother, obviously said, like, he would, he loved going to, like, events with children and j- did, signed all the autographs and just loved making, like, kids happy and never wanted to, was never, like, would never shoo any fan away, just seemed real. But at the same time, if you jumped in the ring, and I think there's video evidence of this in WCW when someone tried jumping in the ring and, and Mach put the fucking boots to him, but um, I mean, I mean, I could just I could just ramble on for hours about how amazing I think Macho Man Randy Savage is. But that is when someone says professional wrestling to me, the first I mean, it's really hard not to have Hogan in there sometimes when people say it. But and Hogan's just kind of a given. But the first face I see when someone says if someone instant, I could say it in a second. If someone says, "Who's your favorite professional wrestler of all time?" I'll immediately say Macho Man Randy Savage, and that is just. Uh, and like I said, he can just do it all. And I, I know, I know you feel similar, even though Mach wasn't in your Mount Rushmore. I, I know for a fact that you, uh, you feel very similar about uh, the work rate and the the character and the charisma and the uh, the everything of uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, I mean, I think Macho's another guy, like, definitely one of my beloved wrestlers, like, obviously from our youth, and like you said, like, super intense. The thing I think about when I think about uh, him is you always hear all these stories about him being so smart and being, like, he was just, like, so in tune to the business, I feel like, you know what I mean? Like, the, oh, yeah. The, the world of wrestling, like you said, like, the stuff with DDP and the storylines and stuff like that, I think... He's another one who, yeah, he took he took his gimmick to another level. Like, when you saw him outside of the ring, like, he kept that same intensity. You almost, like, for me personally, like, I remember being young, and I'd be like, man, this guy must be scary as hell outside of, uh, <laughs> like, in the real world. That's how I, because, I mean, that's kind of how he, that's his, uh, like, his gimmick, just intense. But, 
he's another one just so entertaining and he elevated who he was in the ring with too like whether in his promos maybe maybe some of the best promos ever like he, him and warrior the most intense oh yeah believable uh promos of, of in history and uh and, like, you know, talking about his death, that's another one, like you said, like, it actually really, that one really got me, it shot, it, it hit me hard, I mean, it's like, it's sad to see these guys that you held in such high regard, um, you know, pass away like that, but Randy, like I said, when I think about him, I think about, um, how, you hear all these stories about how in tune he was to everything, and, like, in like uh, how, how you always saw someone, he was always just wanted to be the best, you know, and, and I guess you can't, Sometimes that comes with its faults, but you can't really hate a guy for doing that. And he was around and relevant in the golden times of wrestling. And I, and I don't think you'll ever see another, not even just another, somebody on his level, but just like you'll never see anybody even close to being what Macho Man was. You know what I mean? Like he, a super athlete, um, super smart, and, is, and one of the greatest gimmicks ever probably. Um, and it's not even in it and that's what i think's great about uh that's what i think really elevates him and, and a few others is their gimmick is their own you can't like explain it you know what i mean he's not where like him hogan flair piper uh bret hart eddie they didn't have you know what i mean they didn't have like a gimmick like they wear a fucking horse head or they or they you know wear like uh like face paint or anything like that, you know what I mean? They had like just such their own gimmick and their own original like personalities, like their personalities. It wasn't anybody else's personalities, and we talk about like all these uh, things. Uh, and it's they all these guys. I think were true to their characters. Like they they weren't far off from the characters that they were in professional wrestling. Right, like, their gimmicks, like you said, they can't be explained, they're one of a kind, and, and, that, and that, you're never going to see these gimmicks that these older older guys had, and you're never going to see another Hulk Hogan, you're never going to see another Macho Man, uh, you'll see guys who, like, will reach, you know, a, a peak status, but these guys are, like we said, they're like the Babe Ruths, the Michael Jordans of, of pro wrestling, one of a kind, and that's why they make up our Mount Rushmore because they can't be, you know, they can't be copied. Um, they wrote, they made everybody around them better. They made the sport better. Um, and it's just one of the greatest, uh, they're some of the greatest, greatest ever. So, I mean, exactly. And it's, uh, you know, wrestling is such a, it's so different in so many different regards, but, the fact that, you know, we, I wanted to, and, and I know as, as well as you do, because we had dialogue about doing and starting this podcast, we wanted to make sure that we said sports and wrestling, because we didn't want people to, one, think that we were going to leave wrestling out just because it's considered a sports podcast, because so many people still don't consider wrestling a sport, and to me, it's, it's much more than a sport, because you look at... And there's no denying that certain sports stars have have left, uh, you know, amazing imprints on our lives, and, and just like we hold so dear, whether it be you know Michael Jordans or or uh, you know Derek Jeters or whoever, like that we hold so near and dear as far as like the greatest like people we looked up to or role models. 
you know, wrestlers or something, there was never a down season and we could see their personalities, even if they were more extreme than what they actually were. I mean, wrestling just gives you, it's just a much more intimate uh, experience watching uh, professional wrestling as it is than it is uh, watching any other, you know, sport. So, and it seems so essential to call this a sports and wrestling podcast because I think that is that is that wrestling is while you know it is to an extent a sport it's so much more in a lot of regards. Yeah, I, the way I see professional wrestling is some people get it and some people don't. Some people look at it as like just really stupid and gimmicky and like kind of like I don't know nothing to it. Or then some people actually see the business side of it and see. When I say business, I don't mean, like, money, or I mean, like, the actual, like, thought of pro wrestling, like, the stuff that goes into a match, uh, the the pure athletes these guys are, or if they're not athletic, like, just how smart and witty these guys are. Like, some people see it, and some people don't. Obviously, me and you and some of our close friends have see, see the same thing, and that's why it's so been so beloved to us uh, and loved our whole lives. Um these guys are more than athletes, in my personal opinion. I think that they, I think they do more than, I mean, like I said, you're on the road day in, day out. There's no, you know, there's no six-month break or anything like that. It's, it's insane the, the amount of punishment they do to the mental and physical, to their bodies. So, um, yeah, that's what, it's just beloved to me, and I'll never stop uh, loving it. Uh, uh couldn't agree anymore honestly it's just uh we said it it is in a as far as uh whatever you want to call it now sports entertainment it'll always be professional wrestling and it'll always uh it'll always uh, i think it'll always exist it's is is american as apple pie at this point yeah um i know we gotta wrap up soon here quickly i just wanted to hear was there a couple you don't have to really explain like the backstories but was there do you have like a honorable mention like guys that you know like a couple guys maybe that you would have put on there uh yeah steve austin was uh definitely and bret hart were two of the honorable mentions that probably would have been two guys that would have rounded out and obviously i mean we're going to talk about the attitude error at some point but just like you know what austin meant to the revitalization of uh of wrestling uh period um but you know, someone because we were going off strictly wrestlers, someone I was going to throw in there. Um, if we weren't going, if we were just going off people who were completely integral to wrestling, um, I probably would have bumped off Piper and had Vince McMahon's face on uh, my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, no, I mean I understand that. I guess I didn't really look at it from that perspective. I, I didn't. I didn't either, and I didn't think we were, so that's why I didn't. But if you know. You talk about one person who's as integral to the the you know the sport or entertainment business of professional wrestling. Uh, I mean, Vince McMahon is uh, obviously the biggest and most successful wrestling promoter of all time. Even though I'm sure he doesn't think of himself as a wrestling promoter anymore, but uh, but yeah, those guys were definitely um, were in my uh, Bret Hart, Steve Austin. We're definitely uh, lingering around my uh, my Mount Rushmore as well. Who else did uh, did you have besides uh, Steve Austin? Uh, I had a couple guys that may be surprising to some. They're definitely not. Maybe a little off, but I had a couple foreign guys. Actually, I had uh, 
two of them that came to mind. One of them, one of my favorite wrestlers ever, actually, is Ultimo Dragon. I love Ultimo Dragon. I think he he's another guy who's been around for so long. He's been in every promotion. He's huge in Japan, huge in Mexico. You know, pretty big in the states. Um, every another, he's just another great tactician in the ring. I just love the gimmick. Um, the Great Muda was another one. Oh yeah, uh, I know you were a big Muda fan, so yeah. Just from when I first, you know, when you're when you, you go through these progressions, like when you're into something and you you first get into it, and then you you discover more. Whether it be music or movies, obviously, you know, you're into music, you discover more. So like when you're into wrestling when you're younger, you don't know a lot about. I mean, obviously, the only thing I really knew was WWF and 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 WCW towards you know when I was a little bit older, but when I was younger, just WWF. So you don't even know about these other guys. And, you know, you see them and then you kind of, you do more research and you see more stuff and you realize like these guys are just amazing, but they're just, you just don't, you're just not, your eyes haven't been open to them. But Muda was one of those guys, again, he huge in Japan, obviously had his stints in WCW, you know, member of the NWO, um, that whole, the whole gimmick and his wrestling, I've actually been lucky enough to, to watch. I've only I've seen I saw him wrestle live once, um, and yeah, he's just another just amazing, amazing wrestler. And I think he's left an impact on a lot of people. And I mean, you see it in the ring every day. He, uh, you know, the shining wizard move is used almost in a lot of matches. That's uh, one of his creations. So uh, those two, Steve Austin, were probably like my three. Um, glaring the uh, macho man was another one just because like i said he, he was so entertaining and i feel like he was so huge um but who knows if i was a little bit older uh, you think about if you're a little bit older or a little bit younger who would it be you know i mean maybe if yeah you're older, exactly if you're older you'd say maybe dusty Rhodes or something or or uh, any of those guys you know so for me uh warrior warrior was dancing around in there too just because uh, there was nothing like him either like he was in a class of his own as far as his intensity and charisma obviously his work went right in the ring left uh, a lot to be desired but um and andre as well obviously if anybody's seen the if you need any question about how big and global andre actually was andre the giant actually was uh, watch that hbo andre the giant documentary which was really astonishing yeah that was i mean giant was huge another megastar um you know, obviously with this condition just plagued with injuries towards his later career. But, yeah, there's another one that could very well be on the uh, Rushmore of of wrestling. He was another one that was huge. I mean, another global icon. Um, and everyone knew who he was, obviously. So Yeah, exactly. Well, that just about wraps it up for us. We'll be back next week with uh, more sports news and uh, gearing up for the end of the NFL regular season, and we'll be talking uh, more playoff uh, stuff there, and we may even dive into the NHL uh, as well. So, uh, But this, uh, we've obviously focused a little more on our uh, wrestling portion uh, and uh, doing our Mount Rushmore of wrestling. I hope everyone enjoyed it. And uh, any closing thoughts, Eric? No, I mean, it was, a, it was a fun one, and I look forward to uh, touching. I mean, obviously, we're going to do sports every week, touching more on wrestling. It's been fun. Absolutely, and uh, thanks so much. You can check us out uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we're on uh, iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher, and uh, where else are we? We're everywhere. Every, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, 
anywhere you can uh, listen or download the stream podcast we are on there uh be sure to uh it See you next week.